Thanks for tuning into the Disciple Making Disciples Conversations. We have loved these conversations with you, uh, with our church family. We've loved the feedback and the other questions we've gotten. And we look forward to continuing this type of conversation. Uh, we have some ideas for how we'll continue this. But this is going to be our last conversation uh, as we head into summer. And then we'll revisit what it looks like to continue to use this medium uh, as a way to engage our church body in other important conversations uh, here in the fall. Uh, as we as we settle back into new routines uh, for the year to come. But for right now, we want you to hear and enjoy this conversation with Michelle Lee. Michelle is a great friend of ours. Many of you know her and have enjoyed uh, her ministry amongst the student ministry in particular. Uh, but Michelle has an incredible story of what it has looked like in her life to be a faithful disciple, striving to make disciples, and what that looks like with a career change and what that looks like in a variety of contexts. And so we're excited for you to hear this first part of the conversation, which will continue next week uh, with part two. So here it is. Without further ado, Ryan Simchenko and I get to talk with Michelle Lee. Can I spread? Yeah, please. Let's do it. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we lift you up and God, you're building your church and you've given us the command to go and make disciples and we can't do that on our own, and so we're so thankful that you say you'll be with us um, always. And God, I, I just pray for this conversation that you would, I pray it would be encouraging to David and me, I pray it would be encouraging to Michelle, and I pray that people that listen to this, that you would use it to kind of spur their thinking too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, and so we just give this time completely over to you. I pray mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Michelle, how about um, how does could, could you just kind of give us a little bit about your kind of your background yeah. when you came to know the Lord? Um, oh goodness, the whole background. <laughs> I was the also, whole shebang. Whoa. <laughs> so, hi, um, what would you like for us to? Know, what do you What do you like to share with us about how you came to the Lord? Um, how you got involved in Northwest? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I have a pretty, um, I don't know, like the my background in terms of discovering who Jesus is, is it feels very um, like segmented. Like I have these these pieces that were really strong and then pieces that were really bad and not good and not things that I'm proud of. And then a, t- a time in my life when I came back into communion with with um, our Savior. And so, you know, my short story of my background is I was saved at a young age. My mother uh, made sure that I was in church always. My grandparents um, were very influential in my faith walk. Um, I used to go to Awanos with my grandmother and things like that. Candy for memorizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she actually led Awana, and I kind of was her sidekick for some time, too. And those are really special memories to look back on. Um, but there was a bit of turmoil in my childhood, and my um, my my parents, um, you know, it wasn't the most positive situation, and they ended up getting divorced, and some, some different things happened. And, um, and then a couple of years after being divorced, my father actually came to faith and my parents ended up getting married again. And (laughs) this is like the interesting story. My parents were married twice and divorced twice, but, um, 
that truly impacted my faith walk because I was able to visually see his transformation Hmm. and what a saving relationship with Christ can do in your life. And so that was really impactful to me. Um, You know, fast forward, uh, a lot of other big, you know, tumultuous change happened in my life. And uh, I ended up, you know, kind of being in this mindset of I know my own theology and I kind of um, would fit the truths that I knew into what I wanted to believe and how I could be justified in the way that I was interacting with people and some different things like that. And, and so, you know, really I walked away from the church Hmm. and, uh, and that was, you know, when I was also getting ready to enter college. And so that was a really, um, tumultuous time in my life. Um, and, you know, I think when you do that, when you, kind of walk away from your faith or you kind of blame God for things and, um, you know, go through really difficult things that you don't understand the purpose of, you know, and you can't see, you know, what's the purpose in this. Um, and you're not in community with other fellow believers. It's easy to kind of make up your own theology. I think that's a trap that a lot of um, profession, professing Christians actually fall into quite a lot. So anyways, that, you know, period of time in my life was, was a pretty dark time. Um, but fast forward, it was really cool that you guys had Robin as podcast person number one, because, um, Robin's daughter, Abby invited our daughter to uh, a youth event. We showed up and, uh, we heard testimony at the, the end and that really kind of touched touched my heart and um and certainly that was absolutely the the holy spirit just you know chasing chasing me and so that's how i got involved in northwest we showed up at a youth event (laughs) and dan baker was up there i think it was i'm pretty sure it was dan baker giving a testimony and um you know it, it really impacted me because i think you know, if we're a body of believers that doesn't stand up and say hard things and challenge and say, I struggle with this, man, we're doing a disservice because, you know, how better to show the glory of God than through our weaknesses and failures and all of those things. And so that really touched me. And, uh, and that was the beginning of our time at Northwest. Nice. Awesome. What year was that? The... My was in seventh grade. So, <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that was six, uh, seven, eight, nine, maybe nine or ten years ago. Okay. I'm trying to think. I don't think that we, because Lindsay and I were, we joined Northwest in 2009 Mm -hmm. and then we went back to China in 2011. Mm -hmm. I don't think y'all were a part of the church at that point. If you were, then we, we, we hadn't gotten to know you. But then when we came back, the first time I remember uh, meeting y'all is when, you know, I'm going to say like in, I guess it's 2016, we were back in America for furlough and we asked like uh, Matt Rice, Mm -hmm. we had our daughter Valerie and we wanted to go on a date. We said, is there anybody that would be a good babysitter? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's this girl, Mai Lee. And so Mai came. We had no no context at all. Yeah. And so she came and babysat. And like we didn't know anything about her. Yeah. And then, so it's been fun. It was fun, to, I guess, several months ago. For, 
starting to get to know you and Ming and Michael and, and, and my and then I was like, oh, you babysat for my daughter. <laughs> yeah, was five years ago. One day ago. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. That was long enough ago that, that the farm that we did that event on is now a new neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. We've it all is. watched that transformation happen. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's, uh, it's gone, which is crazy. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, so, so Michelle, you've... Um, I, I know a little bit about your story, but like I know that you you used to work in the business world, mm-hmm. and that you since you've you've left the corporate world, yes, and now you're a high school teacher. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, usually the, the the response I get when people say that is definitely a chuckle. What so why? what is people's usual response? Are they like you're you're insane? Like why? <laughs> Especially people that I worked with previously. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I worked in business for, uh, quite a long time. So, um, you know, even before I finished my undergraduate degree, I was already in, um, in the corporate, corporate world. So I started at Cisco in 2004 after I had already had a, you know, beginning career in project management and some different things like that. And I was fortunate enough to enter kind of this, um, this program that really was a developmental program in the company. And so they poured a lot of resources into this very small, you know, group of people that entered the, the company. And so, you know, very intense training, lots of different things like that. Uh, Cisco ended up, you know, paying for my master's degree in, in project management. So just, you know, I was really blessed to have such a wonderful growth opportunity in that corporate environment. There were a lot of challenges, right? I was, I, it was IT. I was n- always never failed. I was the youngest person in the room and usually the only female. Right. <laughs> so it, it was definitely, that was definitely a challenging environment but what an amazing opportunity to get the chance to be that person and learn how to to do that you mm-hmm. know and be in that environment um, and I think that you know that has certainly helped me as I teach females and mm-hmm. potentially future future leaders but um, I, I ultimately kind of worked my way up through the business and when I left Cisco I, I led the strategic programs office at Cisco so around a $400 million budget, people all over the world, it was a global role, you know, I was um, leading very large strategic programs around the world okay. and a teams of people that did that. So that sounds kind of like what for many people would be kind of their goal. Is yeah. Have a dream job. They, they want to yeah. get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, is, it was that, that role, for sure. And so maybe that's why when people hear yeah. you stop that, <laughs> and now you're a, you're a high school teacher, yeah. they thought, well, something must have happened. Yeah. You know, or, so, okay, so, yeah. so tell us about you know, what, what was going on in your life at the time yeah. that made you want to, want to step out of that quote-unquote dream position. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was, I think... Um, when you are being prompted by the Holy Spirit, sometimes it feels really horrible. Hmm. Like it's, it's very uncomfortable. Like 
you're supposed to do something and you don't know what it is and you just feel like this unrest. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I'm sitting there looking at my life and I'm, you know, if you had to check off a list of things, right? Uh, you know, great career, great marriage, great kids. Um, I loved my family, where we live, our church, our life group, you know, you could check off all the boxes. Mm. And I still had this unrest. And I knew there was something else that I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And it was, um, it was kind of like this constant, like pressing in. Mm. And, you know, so just spent a lot of time praying and journaling and reading the Bible and just asking God for doors to open where they were supposed to open and, you know, to, to give direction. But it was just, you know, that, that kind of feeling of unrest when it didn't make sense was, was a huge, you know, part of the, the kind of, okay, I'm being called to something and I don't, I didn't know what it was at that point. So it's kind of like I'm, you know, everything seems to be going well. Mm-hmm. I'm not like living in some type of secret sin. You yeah, know, things are great. But it, so like I'm serve, I'm, you know, I'm involved in the church. Like I'm walking with the Lord, but there's something I feel restless. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of for for you. That was the Holy Spirit that was mm-hmm. kind of encouraged, that was leading you to something, mm-hmm. something new. Yeah, and I feel like it was it was uh, a way. For me to lean into trusting in the Lord for for what was to come next. So you know, like when you're you're backed into a corner, you you have to make a decision, right? Like, am I gonna, you know, stay and fight and you know fight through this, or am I gonna like run away, <laughs> right? And at that point, I think I felt like the runaway option would have been to continue on this corporate path that I was on, right? I mean you know, being identified as going through the directorship program and all of these things were kind of there. They were ready. I was ready to go down this even further path, right? It was already set up. Everything was there. And, you know, just the unrest that I, that I had with that, I knew there was something different. I needed, there was a different path that I was supposed to be on. How, how long did you feel that unrest for? Like, how long was this kind of this stirring before you started kind of taking steps of obedience and into the whatever was next? Yeah, I mean, it was a long time and so long that I actually, um, maybe two and a half months before I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this, I switched jobs at <laughs> Cisco. Like, I was like... I'm supposed to be doing something different. I got to figure out what it was. Talk there. You know, when you're in that, that kind of role, like you've got recruiters inside the company, even that are like, where do you want to go next? How are we going to set you up? Who are you going to talk to? So, you know, talking to several different leaders, they were like, oh my goodness, come and, and, you know, be the director in this, this other program. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I think that's, you know, that's where I'll go. I'll continue on that path, you know? And, Man, it just like doubled like the unrest and the mm. like just 
even more. You know, it was like pouring on more. Like, mm. this. why did you do that? It wasn't the right way to go. Mm. Um, but I was so sure I just needed to stay on that path, right? And not give up the things that I I had accomplished, mm. right? All the all those check boxes. So you didn't want to kind of give up the accomplishments oh, yeah. or the status yeah. or the whatever mm. it was. Yeah. Yeah, status, sock options, travel, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I still don't want to give it up. But you had some type of a sense that maybe the direction the Lord was leading you would evolve yeah. giving up some of that. Yeah. So how did that, what was the process of that? You were kind of searching for, for a while. It sounds like you were having conversations with people even in the company. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, I'm just kind of wondering what's next. And like, mm-hmm. this is a mid-career crisis or you know, what is it? And then what, what did it look like? How did that start to clarify um, and help you know what to do next? Yeah. If it wasn't this new role within the same company. Yeah. Um, so teaching and I don't know if teaching is the right classification, but working with high schoolers has always been a huge priority to me because you know I think when when you've um, you know gone through a hard time or that was a time in your life that was really impactful like you want to help people who are going through those same things like anybody kind of wants to do that and so you know that's been a big part of my life in and out of the church that's just been a big focus and so um, you know working with teenagers being in a high school those are all kind of concepts that I've thought about in the past. And being a teacher was always something that was kind of interesting to me. My mom was a teacher. Uh, you know, many of my family members are teachers. It was something that, you know, was kind of always interesting to me. And, you know, through this period of time that I was having all of this unrest and I just was seeking what the Lord would have for me you know, praying and it was, you know, I was really emotional too. Like it was very, um, you know, I was very sad about, you know, this was, this was something that I had worked so hard for. And, um, you know, when people recognize you and say, you're do you do really great at this. Like it feels really good. So didn't want to give that up. I was really upset about it and sad Mm -hmm. and just distraught. And, but I knew something, something else had to happen. And there was a day where I was just like praying. I was really upset and I'm just like, you know, everybody's had these episodes where you're just like crying in the shower. If you haven't talked to me, I'll tell you the full story about (laughs) how that feels. But, you know, I was just like crying. I'm like so upset. I don't know what to do. And I feel like overwhelmed by this feeling that there's something else that I have to to do and um and I'm just you know praying and begging God to just come on me and I gotta know what it is and I was overwhelmed with this feeling that you know teaching was something that I should pursue um about maybe three years before when I had finished my master's degree I thought about maybe I would want to go teach in college. And so I was like starting, I kind of looked at, okay, well, what, what, how, how would I actually do that? Would I go get my PhD? What would I do? And so during that time I had started to 
put together like here's what I would actually have to pursue in order to to teach in college and be a professor and so I had a lot of this stuff that had I kind of put together so I'm this fast forward to to present day and I'm like upset crying begging God for clarity in the shower just seems ridiculous um overwhelmed by this feeling that I this is the move I got to make and I need to be in the high school with teenagers telling them about Jesus like mm-hmm. that's what I needed to be doing mm-hmm. so I get you know I get out of the shower I get on the Wake County employment site and I go on there and there are only two roles in Wake County that were open for the job that I would be qualified to do to you know the subjects that I would be qualified to teach without a whole lot of extra stuff and so I was like okay well I'm gonna apply for these jobs and so I applied for them both and within four hours I got a phone call from one of them and uh and they said you know hey you know we'd, we'd like to talk to you about this and I was like <laughs> I was not prepared for that, man. I just like got done getting out of the shower and press and submit. I'm like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, where's my hair dryer? I'm um, guessing that uh, high school principals don't usually get a lot of applications from Cisco people high up at Cisco wanting to come to teach, teach business. <laughs> yeah, I'm, maybe I'm they, guessing that uh, that rose to the top of the. I don't know. I don't know. Like pile. it. Honestly, it's actually never been a thing. Like no one, no, the people that I work with and teach with and the principals, like they legitimately have no idea. Hmm. Like what's your path? They have no idea. Like they they just don't. I think unless you've been in that world and you, you kind of, um, um, understand what that context is, it's hard to kind of be like, oh, you're, you did this. And I don't know, just, they just. They have no idea, and my students have even less of an idea. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so I. Um, so you said so you, you got the call, and then yeah, four hours later, I'm like, okay, well, let's go talk. And so, uh, the next day, or maybe two days later, I had an interview. I went in, and I was like, okay, hey, God, this is it. You did it. Woohoo! We're here. You did it, God. I was like, yes, this is every. This is exactly what I was waiting for. I go in for the interview and went phenomenal. It was great. I was like, look, look, you know, God showed up. This is amazing. And later in the day, I get a call back and they said, we're so sorry. <laughs> but this other guy is already a certified teacher mm-hmm. and he, he wants the job. And I was like, whoa 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 god said (laughs) right like i like i was you know here comes the god card yeah like what so it's it's funny because i had like i was uh supposed to go to las vegas for cisco to be at this conference and you know meet with all these people and all just it was that was happening and so i was like telling ming i was like wouldn't it be so awesome if I didn't have to go to Vegas? Like I could tell them now I'm going to go do this other job. I'm not going to Vegas. And, and I was like, yes. Cause I, it's something mm. that I used to do every year. I would go and be there and whatever. That's a different story. But, uh, I was so excited. And then 
it didn't happen. And I was like, what in the world? So I get on the plane, I go to Las Vegas and there were a couple of things that, that happened there that I was like, okay, I, this, I was supposed to be here. Like there were multiple things that occurred. Um, one of the VPs that I used to work with long ago, she, we ran into each other and we had an hour and a half long conversation about Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. it was amazing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not supposed to teach. This is what I'm supposed to do. God was just waking up my eyes to see there's people sitting in front of me that I need to talk to, to about Jesus. And I was like, that's what it was. Still good to keep my stock options. Yes, I was like, <laughs> yes, travel, corporate Amex, like, woo, I get to keep it. No. Uh, yeah, I probably did celebrate that a bit. But, but then I'm in the airport on the way home, literally boarding the plane on the way home, and Wake County Public Schools pops up on my phone. I'm like, what? <laughs> And they're like, the guy decided he doesn't want to change schools. We want to offer you the job. (laughs) I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So that was just, I mean, just God was in every single moment. And, um... And I knew at that point, I mean, there was like, what was I supposed to do at that point? Like, there was no choice. I had to go and do this. I didn't, he didn't really leave me an option at that point, I felt like. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think in my, in my pride and my selfishness, like in my worldly desires, I would, I probably would have said no, (laughs) just about every time. But, uh, yeah, he made it clear. So, so, so you said that like the vision, the way you articulated it, it was high school teenagers talking about Jesus. Yep. So how is that, what's that been like being with high schoolers talking about Jesus? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I had a clue what public school was like because I've been a youth leader so I've like I've I heard the kind of side stories or some of the things that that went on but being immersed in it is a different thing and like it's a desperate place it is a desperate place um not only for students, like there, I think about it, like there, there are like these four groups of people that are there in the school. There are the, the teachers who know Jesus and there's the teachers that don't know Jesus. And then there's the students that know Jesus and the students that don't know Jesus. And there's kind of hopelessness that abounds. I mean, um, like, I don't, I'm, it's hard for me to understand how a teacher shows up every day and doesn't know Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. it's unbelievably discouraging. And I would say, especially at the high school level, because we no longer have, like, the encouragement of parents or, you know, people that know how to say thank you to someone for being meaningful in their life or, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, I... I, I don't know. I don't know how people people can get through that. But, you know, I think 
I originally thought it was going to be high schoolers and me talking to high schoolers about Jesus. And it's become more than that. It's there are other people there that need Jesus that are not high schoolers. There are other Mm -hmm. teachers. There are teachers that are Christians who need to be reminded of who Jesus is. And, um, and so that, you know, that became a big part of some of the things that I did when I was at the school I was at before, because I just moved schools this year. Um, but at that school, you know, a, a big part of what things kind of evolved into was leading a prayer, a prayer group with teachers and being able to talk about, you know, how do we portray our faith to our students in a way that's acceptable and, and things like that. And what are risks that we're willing to take and, um, you know, how do we have a meaningful conversation with people of different faiths in a respectful way and, and those kinds of things. So I think it's, it started out as just, you know, in my brain, I was like, I got to talk to high schoolers. I got to be there in front of them. Um, but there are so many other people that, that need that as well. Um, there are a couple of things I think, you know, when I, when I walk into the high school and you, you kind of recognize and see all of this kind of hopelessness kind of around, um, I think we, we as Christians, we, we have hope. And so it's easy to recognize hopelessness that maybe the person who's experiencing the hopelessness doesn't understand. Hmm. And so I think that gives a different perspective because then, you know, when somebody says like, you know, I'm upset about this or this has affected me or, you know, I don't feel, I I feel um, disappointed in something or, you know, they have all of these kinds of issues or feelings that they're, they're having, you know, for, for someone who has faith, um, you can look at most of those things and say, but man, if you had Jesus, like the bad wouldn't, wouldn't be, it would be a different thing. You know, you would have hope and you would be able to see that, you know, he has overcome the world. He, you know, he doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us. He is here with us and for us and, and walking with us. So, um, I think a lot of the conversations that I have with students about Jesus kind of center around that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I, I feel like, you know, in my, in any given classroom, right, I have, you know, maybe like one or two students who are active in a faith walk and then the rest of the students that um, are not. And, you know, in a classroom of like 35 students, that's about what I, what I end up seeing in our high schools here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting because I think when you, when a student is active in their faith walk, they can start to recognize things that you say or do, the language that you use, the words that you refer to, the way you talk about your life, you know, what did I do on Sunday and this is what I did or, you know, they start to recognize, okay, yeah, this is, I'm familiar with this. This is something that I can connect to. I can see that there's a faith here. Um, like this person knows Jesus. Like you, you know, we recognize it in people that we meet all the time too. So pick up on some common language or mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Hear you reference church or mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's really interesting because that 
you know, figuring out like who those students are in my classroom has actually been a really great way to engage other people in meaningful conversations about faith. Um, you know, inevitably, you know, when you build a rapport with students, they're curious about your life and how you manage things and, and what do you do and, uh, and things like that. And so, you know, initially focusing on building that rapport, building that trust, making connections with students, that's the first, that, that, that's the priority. And then once they start to hear other conversations that are happening in the classroom, you know, they start to ask you questions. And, um, and that leads to conversations ultimately about Jesus. Like that's, that's where they, they all lead to and how important my faith is, um, kind of to me and how I've coped in life and, um, managed the difficult things that I faced and, and things like that. We hate to leave you with a cliffhanger, but this conversation just kept going and we uh, couldn't bear to uh, cut it up. So we wanted you to get this introduction to what it looked like for Michelle to walk faithfully through a season of transition uh, with uh, God calling her to a new place. And, and now as we get to continue fleshing out what it has looked like to be faithful, what it, God has done in this new career as a teacher and her faithfulness to that call. Uh, we're going to hear stories of some of the students and others she's engaged with uh, in serious spiritual conversations in that context. And uh, we hope you'll tune in next week uh, to part two in our final conversation of the Disciple Making Disciples conversations. We are grateful for you taking time to listen and think and pray and consider what it looks like for us to help others learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus while we do the same.